0: Now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop! Hope Monex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is j and Jedi.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, following their battle with the First Order, Kaz and his friends hope to reach the Resistance base on Dakar, but the Colossus has suffered damage, and there may be other threats lurking in the shadows. There will be zero gravity antics, a messed up colossus, and something is rolling around in the darkness as we enter season two. And we're talking about into the unknown this week. Should I sing? Should can I sing? Do it. Into the unknown. Into the unknown. Thanks, Frozen Chair. How you doing, Chris? Not bad. Yeah, yeah, tired, but doing good.
2: I'm a little tired <laughs> too. Yeah. I'm yeah. I got a new work I'm working at a, at back at another place and getting ready to I got a tour of the new restaurant today and but now I'm working on Tuesdays during the day.
1: Cool. Oh. Okay. Well Chris edit this out. Do we need to reschedule our our nah, podcast day? No,
2: nah, it'll okay. be fine. No, I'm working like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, so it w- there's not really much rescheduling. Tuesday, so you
1: have Saturdays off, though. That's nice.
2: Yeah, but that's got garage sale stamped right on it. Yeah. Hopefully this weekend. Hopefully. <gasps> yeah.
1: Ooh, i feel some grudge gloat
2: coming on yeah i mean it's got to be sunny on a saturday coming up so it's gonna happen i've I've got saturdays off for the whole summer so
0: Ooh. And i know
2: i know my garage selling partners with the car are ready to go too raring uh, to go everybody's raring to go it was they had a year off <laughs> i am <laughs> just
1: I'm so excited for garage selling, too. Like, I wish it was better down here because it's one of those things. Like, you'll get the occasional, like, neighborhood garage sale, most of the time it's just like, here's these two lovely old people, and they're just like, hello, look at our ship.
2: Here's but, our ship and our pencil sharpener, and this is my hearing aid. And, like, up here, up here, though, where the, the worst is, it's just like, here's all we have eight kids and here's all their discarded clothes and beat to hell toys
1: <laughs> yep you could tell so, those ones
2: from the street because they're just candy colored from the street
1: yep absolutely um though if you come across some pokemon cards send them my way or any kind of pokemon anything i love pokemon stuff. send it my way so well what'd you think of this episode we're in season two now
2: it was good it wasn't a barnstormer of a. it was sort of a main it was sort of uh a, a uh you know set the set the tone for season two and establish the new scenario which yeah. is going to be which is going to be the colossus and back and forth between the colossus and tam in in the first order so, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't go crazy with it. It's just, they sort of play it as it begins off as a pretty much a slapstick episode in a lot of ways. I'll wait till I get to my notes for, for, for stuff like that. But yeah, it's good. It's a very, it's a very, for, for such a radical change in it, it comes back and just, I think it's a wise decision to do it. mm is to just sort of like here's our new status quo you know
1: i um so so one of the things i'm really interested in getting into for season two is i've only watched season two once so i'm watching this for the first time a second time through with a fine-tooth comb and this episode was actually different than what i remembered it um i remembered kaz being more manic and not as subtle as I thought, and like, and some of the things that I remember are still there. Like he is understandably a bit on edge, you know. And I have that note too, because you know, he just lost his fucking planet. So, um, but I didn't. He was wasn't as manic as I remembered him. That was like very firmly planted in my mind for this episode. Yeah, so, no,
2: there's there's slapstick, but it's not Kaz being clumsy, it's or anything. It's just sort of just like craziness ensuing.
1: Yeah, yeah, but like I, I felt like he was a lot more, like wanting to throw himself into work, not wanting to talk about things. Like because like the moment Doza brings up, um, things changing, Kaz is like, I want to do something. Please give me something to do. But it didn't happen that way. So I'm just like, what did my brain like function the first time? <laughs> like why did it process something completely different the first time I watched this? <laughs> so that's that's actually one of the things I'm really excited about getting into season two because. I have very firm thoughts about stuff and I'm wanting, and now that I've had some time away from it, I'm really excited to look at these episodes with a brand new eye. So very, very, very when, excited. So when,
2: when I tend to watch a first season, a season through the first time in my memory of it, it tends to be like, there'll be a few standout episodes where it's like, I remember that episode and like the whole like thing, but like the rest of it tends to sort of bleed into each other, you know? glop together and i'm not quite sure if something might have happened earlier or a little later or whatever you know and it's usually the second time around that i go like oh okay yeah okay that's right it's all in this order
1: yeah 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 so i definitely like enjoyed this episode it just uh was very different from what i remembered so well you ready to get into it i am all right <clears throat> we're gonna have a little uh between the uh between the seasons background information too so here we go into the unknown is the 22nd episode of star wars resistance it aired on october 6 2019 it was written by Stephen Melching and directed by brad rowell wow. um some extra information for you it was announced between season uh, between seasons that season two was going to be the final season of resistance I wrote seasons a lot in that sentence. Um, At celebration prior to season two, there was a panel discussing the creation of the show. One big question that Dave Filoni posed to the writers was, how do everyday citizens feel about the rise of the First Order, which was very much season one. In the panel, they emphasized that the characters were the heart of the series and the storytelling. Myrna Velasco, who voices Tora Doza, said that she loved going to work alongside so many talented female performers. We're all dangerous women on the show, she said. She also has a very special relationship with fellow Mexican-American actor Jason Hightower, who plays her father in the series Captain Doza. The two of them often have long conversations in Spanish, which which in turn strengthens the familiar relationship they portray on screen. Bobby Moynihan insisted that there's no bigger Orca fan than him. I will fight you, Mr. Moynihan. I love, 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 love my gay uncles. I will fight you. I might be Orca. and is number one fan? Uh, oh my God! I need to make that a shirt. Hold on, Hope's got to write this down. <laughs> um, uh, hold on, Hope is writing this down. Orca and Flex number one fan for Pride. That's what I'm gonna work on tomorrow. <laughs> As a lifelong Star Wars fan, he says, the style of the show is one of the coolest things ever, and the representation is the greatest. And finally, Donald Faison said, I became an actor because I wanted to be in Star Wars. I was—I wanted to fly the Millennium Falcon, you know what I mean? Now, to get to the extra actual episode. In the earliest outlines, the episode originally began in the marketplace, with Kaz weathering all sorts of complaints from concerned citizens who blamed him for the platform's current predicament. We also get our first look at the command bridge of the Colossus. According to series arc director, Amy Beth Christensen, the bridge has not been used in, uh, has not been used since the last time the massive craft was in space, 20 years prior to the events of the show. Uh, Excuse me. She says to help with, uh, to help make it more realistic that there was a command crew. We decided to make them all droids. Each of the command droids answers to 4D and they are some make a model as her, or they are the same make-and-model as her, just more basic and pared down. And finally, the First Order Barracks are similar, are based on a similar layout seen in Star Wars Rebels, but it also features details and tech from Kyler w- Kylo Ren's quarters in Star Wars The Last Jedi. <sighs> uh, segway! Insert a funny segway here. I didn't have one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks, Jedi. you're too kind.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you know they all can't be winners yoda they all can't be winners and this time i just i didn't have a good funny segue into you
0: some you lose some you win
1: seg you lose seg you win some seg some. segway win
0: yoda speaks clearly mm.
1: segway segwin seg who seg how say what hi Yoda sorry
0: <laughs> Yoda may be having a stroke
1: no don't do that <laughs> sorry 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 hello Yoda how are you doing not bad having a good time G-
0: good time yes Yoda always has good time mm for good time call Yoda with the ports <laughs> hmm
1: what's your uh hollow number eight six seven five three nine
0: is space six seven five three zero nine.
1: Oh yes, yes, yes. You gotta make sure you have that space area code. Mm. Yes, that's very important. Or else your Jenny is gonna be getting a lot of weird calls for people looking for a frogman. Ain't that right, Jenny? Jenny, who do you turn to? Mm. Jenny, Jenny.
0: <laughs> Powerful in the force was Jenny.
1: Jenny, Jenny. Anyway, so Yoda, I got a question for you.
0: Yes, a question for Yoda.
1: We do. So we are recording this on June 1st. You know what June 1st is? The unofficial start of summer, beginning of hurricane season. Also Pride. Happy Pride, everybody. But it's the beginning of summer. So what are your summer plans for Dagobah? Are you going to go like off planet, go on a vacation? Are you going to stay on Dagobah? What's your summer plans?
0: Mmm... Every year the annual marinating. Yes, Yoda. Y- Yoda will marinate for a while. Hmm. Then there's narrow window when Dagobah mosquitoes come out. Hmm. Yoda gets his blood cleaned. Yes. Uh, like acupuncture, it is. Space acupuncture.
1: I thought you were gonna say like it was gonna be a feast. You know, a feast of mosquitoes. But I was not expecting the blood cleansing. <laughs> Mm. Or the marinating. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Lots of mosquitoes with Yoda's midichlorians on Dagobah, yes. Force uh-huh. mosquitoes. Mm.
1: Does Dagobah have a beach? Like a nice beach area for you to go to?
0: No ocean, all swamp. Mm. <clears throat> Water equally distributed. Mm.
1: oh, gotcha, gotcha. Moistest so-
0: planet in the galaxy. Yes, Dagobah mm. is known for.
1: Is it is so it's known for being super moist?
0: Oh, big, it, it's like a sponge, mmm, in space. Very,
1: very moist.
0: Moist.
1: Super moist.
0: Very moist.
1: Very moist.
0: So moist.
1: So, but are you going to take, like, a long weekend Would say, like, I don't know, like, Mama the Hut, and, like, I don't know, go, like, to the beach for a weekend, hang out with Mama?
0: Mmm, Yoda has no weekends. Yoda's retired, Hmm.
1: Oh.
0: Mm, forever weekend for yoda
1: well she is still the mom of the hut clan so she might need a weekend she might still have weekends so
0: huts never take take days off never retire
1: that's true they usually just sort of die die. (laughs) work till
0: someone strangles them yes
1: yeah but are you gonna go see see uh, mom of the hut i hear she's getting her beach body together
0: no, maybe, maybe. See how the marinating goes. Mm, yes.
1: Oh, so you gotta get beach fit yourself too. You gotta get that mm. beach bod.
0: No, Yoda has beach bod. Yes. You
1: always have beach bod.
0: Buff Yoda is. Mm. Yes,
1: very tiny and buff.
0: Swolde.
1: <laughs> Swolde. <laughs> mm. Well check I'll... out
0: yoda's guns mm, mm.
1: so we're gonna get your space tinder soon
0: mm, space tinder yes
1: <laughs> yes y-
0: y- yoda will be y- yoda will be marinating and moistening in in a pool on twitch too
1: oh.
0: hit yoda up mm.
1: yeah well everybody will get to see how moist that is it's gonna Maybe be great
0: yoda Maybe Yoda will dance for you.
1: Mm, Splash, splash. Mm. (laughs) Splash bath. He was taking a bath all on a Saturday night. (laughs) Hot
0: tub Twitch Yoda. Check it out. Mm.
1: That would be a fantastic Twitch channel. Oh my god. (laughs) Alright Yoda, Well, we need to talk about this episode so you go enjoy your moistening and if you see Mom in the Hut, tell her hi for me.
0: Yes, Yoda's going to pre-moisten
1: pre-moisten okay you go get ready to be moist what the hell is a moist what's a moistening i don't know
2: maybe it's a maybe they dampen before they moisten i don't know
1: Uh,
2: i don't know i don't know either the less you know did you hear it's, it's the opposite of a public service announcement it's just like the less you know the better
1: did you hear that little bit of attention, though? Like, I met your mom with a hut, and he was like, I don't know if I'm going to see her, you know? I, I don't know. Uh,
2: yeah, he might uh. be ghosting. He might be space ghosting
1: her. <laughs> oh, I know. I thought they were doing so well together, but apparently not.
2: <laughs> Listen to this Yoda gossip.
1: Anyway. mm here, folks. Yoda Gossip. Yeah, Jagos and Jedi. I thought wow. the Yoda Gossip was better when
2: Yattle was in the picture, to be honest. thought those were more yeah. exciting.
1: Yeah, he kind of moved on. Kind of moved on from me. Yaddle, didn't yeah. he? Well, we'll wait till the Mandalorian's back because then that Grogu gossip comes in. That gro gossip.
2: Grogu gossip.
1: Grossip, if you will. Ew. Grossip. <laughs> it anyway, sounds like
2: a vegetable nobody wants to eat
1: don't
2: eat your ugh. anyway act one I'm ready for it
1: alright <clears throat> we open season two in the aftermath of season one and we, we're on Castellon and they're floating around. And I found out that these birds are called seagulls. It's excellent. We see seagulls floating around on the Broken Rings and the uh, Floating Tide Fighters where people died and stuff like that. It's great. So we then go up to the Star Destroyer above Castellon, and there we find, in her final appearance of Star Wars Resistance, because she's about to die, Phasma of Tarth. Last time I get to use that that joke. Vassal of Tars is chatting with Tyranny Empire, and they're all just like, "Hey, so the class has got away." And she's like, "Okay, we don't want that to fall into to Leia's hands. It's a giant freaking oil rig. Like, you let a whole oil rig get away? What the hell? If you two do not find it, I will personally execute you. Unless you know I die stupidly and like." 20 hours in the last jedi and Pyra are like oh well that sounds great good luck the next 20 hours in your movie and phasma's like thanks have fun for the rest of the series and they all kind of finger gun each other and phasma goes off to die bye phasma wish you did more in the show anyway tam comes in and tierney's all like tamra you're the best Look how beautiful you are your hair looks great today i want to hear all about your friends we'll come back to this in act two so we go to the Colossus and the Colossus like stumbles out of hyperspace. It's not even like a pop-out, it's just like kinda sputters out of hyperspace. And they're on their way to the car. Because that's where the resistance space is and the last Jedi. So you know, you know, the resistance space that gets destroyed in the opening of the movie. There's a preview for the next few episodes. Kaz and Iku are talking and they're just like, alright, let's get to the car, you know, we're getting there. And they go into Doza's office, and Doza's just like, Hey, kids, I know I'm the best dad, and I know one of you is going through a lot of emotional trauma right now, but I am trying to get this ship running. And Kaz volunteers his services with Niku because, you know, he kind of feels responsible for the situation, being a resistance spy and bringing the First Order to the station. And Doza comforts him when he brings up his parents, because he's all sad. And Doza's like, come on, guys, walk with me. And as they're walking up the stairs, Doza in Ex Imperial talks about how he had hoped that the galaxy had learned from the mistakes, and Katha's like, "Nah, this entire show is like, you know, a um, oh, what's the brain? What's the what's the word? An allegory for for the current situation of our political climate? Yeah, it's something like that." And Doza's is like, "Nah, uh, Star Wars is not supposed to be political." And then they all laugh because Star Wars has always been political. Fuck y'all. Uh, <laughs> So they go upstairs and enter the command deck that has been here this entire time. And Tora and Yeager are there, and they're running all these these system checks, and they're running all these things to try and get everything running. But the Colossus is messed up. Not just from the final battle, but because, you know, it hasn't flown in 20 years. It is messed up. But, hey, Nika wasn't that far off because... They're actually relatively close to Dakar, so that's great, but they don't have enough fuel to make the jump, so that's bad. And then, the gravity starts shutting off, and everyone starts floating around, and Kaz apparently has never been in zero gravity, so he, you know, freaks out a little bit, rightfully so. That can be a little bit scary for your first time. So because the gravity starts turning off and turning on and turning off and turning on, Tori, Kaz, and Niku volunteer to go fix the gravity, as well as the long-range transmitter so they can try and get a message out to the resistance. Uh, but when they get down to engineering, Niku notices that the turtle folk, the Cheladi, are all hiding in their shells, and he's like, "Guys, this is weird. They don't—they do not normally hide like this." And Kaz and kind of blow it off, and Niku like, "They only do this when they're scared." Okay, well, I guess we will go fix things. But what our heroes don't know is that something is watching them from the vents. Bum bum bum. What'd you
2: think of Act One? That was pretty good. I I love the shot of hyperspace and Bucket's eyes and the droids just talking with no translation. Oh, oh
1: that's one of my notes too. Because they have just an entire conversation with no humans around. I love yep. that moment.
2: No, no subtitles or anything. You just you know the the the, the writers might have even written what the dialogue is, but that's for them to know and nobody else to <laughs> find out until someone cracks these particular droid languages, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, there were some small, like, little nitpicks, like, with the shell people. Why couldn't the shell person not just say, oh, there's danger, go like, hey, there's a loose Imperial robot in here. Because if they knew about the danger, unless they're force sensitive and they just sense danger. But, um, and also, don't they, don't, don't all their fighters and don't they have all sorts of small ships with like? Has it Kaz used a fireball in hyperdrive hyperspace before? You know what? Can they can they send off a couple? Can the can the pirates go off to to uh, hook up with the, you know? I mean, there's the, there's it seems like they have several small ships that they could probably go and like hop over to the rebels and say, hey, we're like three three parsecs that way, you know, I know to Kaz, spare a little fuel.
1: I know Kaz's ship can. I We actually have never seen the Aces do it. So they they might just be straight-up racers. They might not have hyperdrive. Um, so they, I actually don't know. But, but that's a good point. But I can understand, like, Kaz being, well, not a great mechanic. He is a mechanic. And I understand them needing, like, all hands on deck, especially because they weren't even sure they probably want every fighter they can have there in case the First Order finds them. You know, you don't want to send away fighters when you're on the run from somebody.
0: Maybe one.
1: Yeah, they they did in Rebels, so...
0: Yeah. Um, My my
2: only other really real note is, uh, and this is something I sort of thought about, it just was like a passing thought, but then, boy, oh boy, did they envision it. Yeah, they, they, uh... The station looks completely different now because it does have sunlight streaming into it. So it's yeah. dark. It's uh, This is what it looked like at night. You know, just just some they just had just enough lights to see.
1: But and, even even at night, though, it had the moons because there's multiple right. moons of Castellon. So it, it was actually brighter at night yeah, than no, it is right
2: now. It's, it's a, it takes on a completely... like or It's like Doza's office takes on a completely different atmosphere. Once it's a ship in space and, and doesn't have sunlight streaming in through it, you know, and uh, it's kind of neat. Although there should have been a little more white to his office, but I still like how they did it because it's sort of they've sort of gone into a darker area, too. So the whole show's just sort of darkened down. Yeah. everywhere.
1: I always like that, too. I always thought that was a cool a cool choice of theirs.
2: It's changed to more Star Wars. It's ships when you're with the your First Order. Or with everything's everything's in just sort of fate, you know, you know, artificial light and and darkness, basically.
1: I just I was kind of thinking about this while I was reading. Um, you're you're done with your notes, for? Yes. Okay, I was thinking about this as I was reading, and because this is Phasma's last appearance. What if every appearance of Phasma in every show or anything going forward, she's just like barely a character and it's just it becomes a running joke. Yeah. That would be horrible. Yeah,
2: I, I was just gonna say it's sort of like rubbing it in, but yeah, I guess, you know, lean into it, I guess.
0: Because
2: then then try to ignore it. It's just sort of like the like the Mandalorian finally addressing stormtroopers not being able to shoot for shit.
1: Yeah um or or was it rebels because rex was like i can't see in this helmet and he like throws it um but yeah i just that that's a tiny gripe of the series is i just i wish they did more with phasma like this is her last her last appearance and we talked about that a lot in season one so though she was more in in resistance more than she was in the movies so good job resistance Um, I also had the conversation with Bucket and CB-23 because that's just so great. It's like them just watching hyperspace, having a conversation, and it's just such a nice little moment.
0: It's
2: just interesting to think about what what it is they're talking about, too. Yeah. There's so so many different things they could be talking about.
1: I kind of love the idea of Bucket just telling his old war stories to her.
2: That's what I was, you know, they were saying, Bucket saying, like, yeah, I've been back through this before, you better get ready, you know.
1: Like, back in my day, we used to jump to hyperspace all the time. Yeah. And she's just like, that's great, Grandpa. That's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's such a cool thing to think about. Um, the only other note that I have is, I, I like, I wish it was a little bit longer, too, which is the story of the season for me. But I really like the little bit of that conversation that we have with Doza. You know, he's an ex Imperial, and he's talking about to Kazuda, first as a parent. He's like, you made the choices that you did. Because Kaz even says, like, I don't even know if my parents are alive. And Doza's like, we're in war, Kate, and you made the decisions that you had to. I respect that. And then he talks about how the the universe hasn't learned. That's like, the, like that is humanity. Like, we never learn from our past mistakes. And... That is like um, the moral of humanity is we have to learn at some point, or the rise of this kind of thing like fascism will keep happening if we don't fully and address it. So, Star
2: like, Wars, Star Wars universe is even worse because it like doesn't go in like hundred year cycles or anything; It goes in like twenty
1: year cycles. Twenty
2: years for everybody to forget everything.
1: Yeah, though I kind of get it because much bigger galaxy so like somebody who was not even a, there are probably people who weren't even affected by some of yeah, yeah
2: yeah i mean i mean people are pretty much probably caught up in their own not just their own world's affairs but just their own hometown and their own family's affairs you know
1: yeah i mean we're we're like that too i mean but it's you know, we we have to. It, I mean, this is this is a moral of of humanity. We have yeah, but, to. I learn mean, these from... Star
2: Wars these Star Wars Galaxy people have the memory of a goldfish. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> they do. They do. They do. But I, I really like that little bit of a conversation. We got to see like a little bit of Dad Doza, a little bit of Soldier Doza, a little bit of Ex Imperial Doza and leader doza like really within about a 2 minutes span and it was it was a really nice scene and i wish we got a lot more of that especially with him in the show so
2: yeah well every everybody has just got to flex all their skills <laughs> at this point you know because
1: Yeah. oh i thought you were going to keep talking
2: no 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 <laughs> so dot dot dot
1: oh.
2: <laughs> so they do and no, implied they do, they do. They do.
1: As we will get to with Tora in a minute, because boy do I have some 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 thoughts on Tora in this episode, so. Um, but that's all I have for act one. Did you have anything else? No. You ready for act two? I am ready. <clears throat> act two. So Kaz and Niku and Tora in T B twenty three are down in engineering. And they're trying to figure out how to get the gravity working again, and Kaz is getting frustrated because Tam was really good at this kind of thing, and none of them are, and Niku is just like, I'm not good at this either! I'm gonna go ask the shell folk, and Niku goes over to the shell folk, and they say that it's still dangerous down there. Well, Kaz blows this off, because he's like, Uh, oh, fine, you know, maybe we can find the kids from Tahar, at least they'll give us hands. And he blows it off, but Nika's a little bit concerned because he's not used to seeing his shell folk friends like this. So Tor finally gets one of the screens working, and she sees where some of the problems are. And she gives directions for everyone, and CB-23 heads out to get her shit done. So CB-23 goes down a back hallway, and it's dark, and the lights are out. Uh. And there's a burp in the night. And she's going through the hallways, and she finds the place where... She needs to push some buttons and stuff. So she lifts herself up, and she's pushing buttons, but she keeps hearing something out of the corner of her little droid ears. And she looks over, and there's nothing there. She looks over, and there's nothing there. So she finishes what she needs to do, and she turns, and there's Murder Ball from the finale. And he's back for vengeance against CB-23, who kicked his ass. And he rushes to CB-23, and... The scene cuts back to our heroes. Kaz is becoming more and more frustrated because, you know, they're stranded in the middle of space. They don't have gravity. He pushed a friend away to where they joined a group of fascists, and he just watched his planet explode. So, you know, I'm really okay if Kaz is a little gruff in this episode. He has a lot going on. Not a lot of middle spoons. And they wonder how everyone is doing upstairs because, you know, they're sure that the people of the Colossus are scared and don't know what to do. And we cut to the best you know the episode, which is everyone having a freaking party at Aunt Z's and she's handing out drinks. The pirates are there. They're loving their drinks. Ork and Flicks are there and having a good time. Everybody is loving the zero gravity thing. Good for you, Aunt Z, for taking advantage of it. As they're working, Taz accidentally calls Tora by Tam's name. And Tora's like, I understand. It's always hard to lose a friend and your entire planet, which feels like it's a more important thing here. Cause you probably lost a lot of friends in that moment. And probably
2: a little like, transference going on.
1: Probably a little bit. Probably. Yeah. Anyway, doing all this, we go back to the baddies for a little bit. And Tyranny is like, Tam, darling, I love you so much. You're so talented and brave and strong. And you need to tell me more about your friends in the Resistance. And Tam is like, I told you everything like four times. This feels like the finale all over again. And Tyranny's is like, OK, OK, if that's really all you know, I only have one more question for you. We're going to be hunting the Colossus. Are you willing to, you know, put your friends in jeopardy? Yeah, not like the game Jeopardy, like actual Jeopardy, because we're going to be trying to capture or destroy them. And Tam grits her teeth and agrees, saying that she has no more friends there because they all betrayed her. So, Old Gordy himself, Pyre, shows up and assigns Tam a number, and she's officially part of the First Order now. (laughs) And then I cried a little bit. Back with the heroes. They finally send Niku to find out where CB-23 is. And he finds her in the most adorable scene. He's like, cb head is not attached i promise i won't tell anybody And it's like oh, niku you best boy like you're such a sweet boy you're so concerned for her and afraid that she's gonna be embarrassed and he finds her missing head but before he can put it back together murder ball strikes <laughs> maybe that we can have the like the jar jar music like murder ball any any excuse to use the jar jar music it's fine um murder ball maybe a little reverb on the voice when, um, a little bit later, when Niku doesn't return, finally Kaz and Tora head out together, not alone, together is the key, to find Niku. And in the darkness, they hear Niku groaning. And as they've moved further down the dark hall, they spot him, tied up to the pipes. And he's like, Guys, look out! And out of the darkness jumps Murder Bob, ready to attack. What'd you think of Act
2: Two? It was good. Now we're in the full like dark mode, and
1: I love the little touch of horror. Like like this is not the target audience to be doing horror, but they they are playing on it a little bit. Like having like you know. Oh no! um,
2: This is a straight up, straight up, uh, um, tribute to Alien. Yeah. It is a. It's it's like a, it's it's a, it, it it totally plays like the scene in the first alien movie where they're in the they're in the vents and they're they're hunting down the alien. But it also has a little bit of aliens in it where where Niku's t- tied up on, against the wall like somebody the one of the aliens has planted an egg in. And it's all sort of lit with flashlights and, you know, uh, you don't know what's going on. It totally feels like Alien to me. Like,
1: one of my that favorite was... shots is, like, Tora's, like, kind of comes in from the left. And as she moves past, like, you see the red light of ball behind her. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some really nice shots in here, with, especially them playing with the darkness, too. And I like how they animate flashlights, like like, having shadows move. It's all really nice.
2: Mm-hmm. And Yeah, my only other note is uh they nicely portray that even though Tam is sort of going along with it and she's like trying to convince herself that go along that like you can see like the ten percent that she's just like, eh, I shouldn't be doing this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Every time she it's walks in a room, portrayed. she looks Yeah, every time she walks in a room, I like looking at her face because she walks in the room and you can tell she is not comfortable being there. She's Everywhere just like
2: she uh okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and... It's, this is what I wanted. And you you know that's her going, this is what I wanted. In the back of her head, there's someone going, but is it... Is it, is really, it really... Is it really... You know, honey, honey, we know. <laughs> You're okay. We'll get you out of here. Um, was that all you had?
2: That's all I got.
1: I felt it in my... This is my only Tam note I have for this. So, while we're still on Tam... I felt it deep in my bones when Tam says the First Order is trying to make the galaxy safe again.
2: That's that's a scene. That's a scene where you can sort of see like she's just sort of like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Part of her is just like, uh huh. Safe. And it's kind again. of one of those
1: things, like because of our our own real world. Like anything by the time I hear like make the da 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 again, like. It makes me, you know, think of other things. And it's what I feel like that's a line that kind of has changed over the course of the last few years. Um, that it might not have had so much impact a few years ago. Um, it's
2: it's yeah, it's gained impact, but it's been a running theme in, in Star Wars, you know?
1: Yeah. Um. That, that was the only tam note I had because I really felt that in my bones. Um. Uh, just to get my little two small notes out of the way. I like CB's anti-gravity animation. Like, she has to use little pups of smoke to, like, lift herself up. And uh-huh. she she her little arm comes out to catches herself. And you can see her, like, keep floating up until her arm catches. And then she pulls herself back down to open things. And I think they do a really good job. You, you know, because they, they, they've been animated like, humans and stuff and anti-gravities. But, like, the Rollies are different. This is kind of the first time we've seen how they function in, in 3 in zero gra- yeah, this is the first time we've zero seen it. Zero gravity
2: ain't nothing to them. They go out on the outside of ships and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're in their element.
1: But I, I was just thinking, this is the first time we've seen the Rollies in Zero-G because I can't think of any time that we saw BB-8 in Zero-G uh, except for when they were doing the switch off in space, right? Am I right?
2: No, you're you're right. I was thinking that maybe when they were fighting that probe droid, but there was gravity when they were fighting the probe droid.
1: Yeah, so I I just like the little things that they're very aware of, like having to, like, propel themselves with their cords and using that to propel themselves or, like, using, like, little bursts of air to push themselves or having, like, their little arms to hold on. Like, the the animation of the rollies in Zero-G is just really nice. There's a lot of, like, little details that are very easy to overlook, but they're very conscious of it, and I like that. I love the party at Anzies.
2: It's funny, though, even though they're partying... That could probably be because they're all a little nervous, you know. But they're oh, going and get get catching a buzz and 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 overcompensating a little bit. But that they, yeah, they're having a riot.
1: I and and just like the little things, like um, God, I remember how I felt watching this for the first time because they had confirmed actually between season that Orca influx for a couple. Um, and I remember watching this episode for the first time and seeing that scene and just being like, look at them! <laughs> Yay! I love them! And now it's confirmed! Like, it just had such a different feel to it. But, I and and I just love that whole scene where, like, Orca's teasing him and Flix is like, like, the, all right, well, you're gonna be sorry, honey, I ain't picking your ass back up. But, <laughs> I just, I love that whole scene, but the pirates do pose an interesting thing. I'm wondering, but they worked out with Anne Z because we know Aunt Z's going to make sure they pay for those drinks. So there, there's a lot of unspoken stories happening here. And I kind of like that about those.
2: But the, the, the bar. The barkeeper is the pirate's friend, you know, so if the bar like there's like there's probably like Aunt Z's tough. So she probably knows how to like, you know, because they don't want to get kicked out of the bar, you know. So that you know, the I mean, the pirates still have to play, to play it The the if there's if there's a bar there, they're going to they're going to want to misbehave, but they're going to still want to be like you know, yeah, it's ha- not like, like cut only off. misbehave enough to where they could go like I'm sorry, Aunt Z, we won't do it again. And here's some just, extra okay. credits
1: to pay for the damages.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. Here's some pieces pieces of space eight.
1: Though now that I'm thinking about it, um, we know that Anne-Z has a friend on Takodana, and who lives on Takodana but Pirate Queen Mas Kanata. So it makes me wonder if if pirates the pirates actually know of Anne-Z through Mas Kanata, since right, Maz right, is the she just Queen. might
2: have have enough cred, underworld cred,
1: to to not get messed with and stuff. So yeah. Um, my big note for this is, it's kind of a two-parter note, but it's more about Tora than Kaz. is um, really mature in these episodes. Like, this 16-year-old girl is taking charge, she's getting shit done, she's not like the video game-playing happy bubbly girl anymore, and she's also being the emotional, like, kind of the emotional net for Kaz, because Kaz, Kaz is understandably... A bit snippy in this episode. He's he's extra snippy. He's kind of snipping at um at Niku and C B twenty three. He's calling Tora Tam. Like he's a mess, which is understandable. He just lost his planet, he just lost his friend, everything's going to shit. So it makes sense for Kaz to be a little bit of a uh, like a raw nerve in this. And uh, yeah. Where, yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And so I don't fault Kaz at all for being a bit of a raw nerd. Where I really like this is watching Torah, you know, watching Torah up in the command deck, giving commands with Yeager um, of all people and volunteering to look after people, um, being the one in charge and giving direction of what needs to be fixed and where. And this is and she's so patient for everybody around her. And I just keep going. This is a 16 year old girl who was like very bubbly and excited about running through a trash compactor trying to kill her. Um, and I, and I think this is where we really see the best of her mom and her dad, you know, in the plane, and when she's fighting in a, in a, in a plane, she's her mom. And here we see the leadership skills that her dad has given her. And I'm just so impressed with how they handle Tora, especially in this season. Like really, she comes into her own to me this season. And I really enjoy watching, uh, watching Torah's journey. And this is kind of a big kind of shove in that direction because she has to step up. It's Ste- step up or die, and she she meets that challenge.
2: Yeah, she's been bored up till now. Remember, as soon <laughs> as things started to go bad, she was just like, "Action!" You know, I get to get to use I get to my do brain.
1: Stuff. Absolutely, I get to do stuff. So, yeah, I I really love Tora and in-, in the scene. But that's all I have for Act Two. Did you have anything else? No. So, you want to wrap this puppy? Oh, we are kind of flying through this puppy.
2: <laughs> yeah. We're tearing this puppy up.
1: No, no, protect the peakers. Be nice to the puppy.
2: Tearing this puppy up like a Christmas present wrapper.
1: No, no. So, we're tearing the wrapper off the puppy because the puppy needs to breathe. So, we are saving this puppy. Okay. Saving the puppies. Okay. Anyway, it doesn't th-
2: work, but okay, it's nice. It's a nice sentiment.
1: <laughs> act three. Oh no, Murder Ball is attacking our heroes. So they decide as as this thing is like coming at them with like little shocky little thingies and like little ropes that to try and capture them. Kaz decides to lead Murder Ball away while Tyre. Tyre. Well, <laughs> I looked at Torah and Niku at the same time, and like Tyre came out. While Tora works on, Yeah, well, Tora works on freeing Niku. But as he's, like, trying to get out of there and stuff like that, Kaz gets hit by Murderball's electricity and gets partially knocked out. So it's up to freaking Toradoza, 16-year-old girl, who takes charge, grabs Kaz, and gets out of there and gets Kaz to safety as he recovers from being electrocuted. And Murderball is hunting them down. Kaz comes around from being shocked, and they hide as Murderball passes by them. But what they see, when it reaches them, it goes over to the panel, and they realize that Murderball was waiting for the long-range transmitter to be fixed, because now Murderball is trying to contact the First Order, and it was waiting for them the entire time. Luckily, Captain Dad and Boss Dad, Doza and Yeager, uh, realize something. Boss Dad is now Yeager's nickname, Boss Dad. (laughs) Bus <laughs> See he is a bastard. Um, Dozer and Eager realize that something is up. And they start shutting down the signal. But Murderball has bypassed their systems. So it's all up to Kaz and Tora. Kaz works on distracting the mean droid. While Ty- Tora... I keep saying Tire. While Tora delete, uh, jumps down there to the panel. And she deletes the secret message. And during all of this, Niku, still tied up, uses his feet gets his feet around cb-23's head and very carefully and respectfully because he always does it respectfully because niku is the best boy turns on cb-23 and the moment she gets her head back on her body cb-23 turns into batman and she starts going where is he where is he And she is ready to destroy because that little shit murder ball is going down and she's going to destroy that asshole. So she runs in there and she's like, there you are! Why you running, Murderball? Why you running? Why are you running? And she starts fighting Murderball and Murderball's like, bring it on, bitch! And they're just like, we're gonna do it! She warps out her blowtorch and she's just like, fuck you! And they start knifing each other and then like the jets and the sharks come out and they start dancing and it's great! During all this, (laughs) during all this, Kaz figures out that we gotta get rid of this little tiny rolly asshole instead of, you know, smashing it. We're just gonna blow it out into space! Why not? So, he opens a hatch, and he tells Tori to hang on, and, um, CB-23 clamps down. But Murderball starts going, being blown out into space, but he grabs onto Kaz, and Kaz is like, FUCK! And is like, I don't wanna die! And Kaz is like, YOU'RE A DROID! YOU WON'T DIE! YOU'RE JUST GONNA FLOAT OUT THERE FOREVER! Bye bye And he kicks it, and Tor closes the door. And they blow a murder ball into space, and CB twenty three is like, "Fuck you! I'm the bitch on here, you piece of shit! Bye bye, you asshole!" Anyway, now that all the hijinks are completed, they get the gravity turned back on, which bums out the party at Antsy's. During all this, now that they got you know the gravity back working again, the long range transmissions, all this, Kaz is like, "Guys." what if i send a message to tam and niku's like oh well that sounds very dangerous kaz but you could send to, send a message to her comlink and Tora's like this is a stupid plan this plane is so stupid it has to be ours don't do it and kaz is like you're right i'm gonna do it anyway i'm gonna do the thing and Tora's like don't do the thing and kaz is like i'm gonna do the thing zuli do the thing You'll get that joke when we get to Cora and our other podcasters. Zully, do the thing. So Kaz does the thing, <laughs> and we end the episode back with the First Order, where Tam is now in her pilot's uniform, and she's putting her own her old clothes away. She's looking both excited and nervous at her helmet because she's finally a pilot, but she's not where she wants to be. And she hears her helmet go off, and she turns it on. And it's Kaz saying a message, apologizing for lying to her. But she's too angry to listen to the entire thing. She shuts off the comm link. And the episode ends with her, symbolically and and literally, for a lot of things, picking up her helmet and wiping away her identity by putting on her First Order helmet. The end. While looking in
2: the mirror, though. She's looking in the mirror.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. different
2: if if she just put it on than whether she's looking at herself putting it on symbolically.
1: Yeah. Yep. So, what did you oh, think of Act Three?
2: It was good. It was good. It's it's just a good uh, winding up the episode to to establish a new season. It had great music in this episode especially during the evil parts they they didn't bring in empire music they brought in dark shades of like the force theme and stuff and just some like it was it was it was nice um and i just want to mention that that murderball's death is pretty much uh also a tribute to alien and aliens where the alien is sucked sucked out no blown out through the <laughs> Through a a portal at the end of the movie in both movies, so very very lots of lots of Alien and Aliens vibes in this this episode. Yeah, doesn't really like like Alien and Aliens thematically doesn't really line up with what's going on, but hey, it was it was fun. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's all that's all I really had for Act Three. I didn't have a lot to lot to say for it it just sort of like wound everything up it basically just had to get the the uh um murder ball out the hatch
1: yep um so i that moment with tam putting on the helmet that is chilling and there is a difference um between her just putting it on and her looking in the mirror and putting it on that I'm, i'm glad you noted that um Yeah, it I was not thinking about this, but the mirror does change it and now hope has to think about this for a minute. <laughs> Cuz I never noticed well, it was a mirror. I never I never introspec- noticed that.
2: Like it's introspection. She's thinking about herself and you could tell that hearing Kaz she she was like she wanted to hear it out but she just had to like sort of just like er throw it down, but you know she's going to go listen to it all the way through. And uh and uh and yeah and putting it on she's she it's 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 just classic introspection she's she's thinking about her she's having an identity crisis (laughs) basically you know and uh and you know so she's looking at she's looking at herself becoming a chilling you know anonymous um kill you know potential future killing machine
1: yeah um, so I pulled back up and the scene probably and the first
2: people that she'd probably have to may end up killing are, the, are her old friends you know
1: Mm-hmm. so I was pulling it up because I was like I don't remember the mirror but I see what you mean because she's facing her locker so she is facing a mirror she's
2: reflected in it it's not a mirror but it, it serves the same purpose as somebody yeah. looking in the mirror you know
1: yeah yeah um, you're not going to get this but because I know you haven't read it, but I just want to say that Tam actually reminds me a lot of Sayana Ree from Lost Stars, because Cyana is a character who um, was recruited as a child and like fell for the imperial propaganda um, and joined the empire. And Sayana has an honor system to where and it, and it's built into her culture. They do a really good job of like building this honor system to where it's, like, to her people, like, breaking a promise is, like, the worst of sins. And you can see that Cyanna starts, the point, the Death Star mostly, is when she starts struggling with that. She's like, oh my god, we destroyed a planet. Like, I'm supposed to be honoring this system, but they just massacred, had, like, a huge genocide. And I feel like Tim has a much more, like, fast-forward version of that story. But Tim reminds me a lot of ways to Sayana Reese kind of journey as well. Um, And I think they're very good. I I, I would almost love to ask, like, some of the writers if they pulled from Sayana's story a little bit for Tam, because they're very similar. Um, The only other note I have, and this is a slight gripe, but at the same time, I understand why they didn't do it, because of the age range that the target audience is of this series. So I understand why they didn't do this. But... I feel like they should be focusing more on Kaz losing his planet over losing Tam. <laughs> they're you not. Know, that- go- they're. They're. they they're,
2: they're. They're not going to later on. But they. But if they were going to, it probably be should be later on when, like, it's that. That's. That's the thing is that he's in like, like it, he's in a, everybody's in a state of just like let's find something to do so we don't have to dwell on our situation. Yeah. And to end. And if there was any, if any of the characters were like, "Hey, Kaz, you want to talk about your planet blowing up?" It probably wouldn't be the best time. So, like, the time for processing it is still in the future, really, for him. You know, yeah. there, he's still in the he's still in the moment of of trauma, basically, yeah. for a while. <laughs> yeah,
1: that that's a good point, point. and so that's why I think They're I kind of like it,
2: it, they they cross the line into war. So it's like.
1: And I think yeah. that's where I was feeling um, where I kind—I guess I kind of remembered Kaz being more manic in this episode and he's not. Um, and yeah, I think that's where I, I was misremembering that because I felt like there was an emphasis on him trying to like work, keep his mind off stuff, which I don't mind. I think it's actually a very strong story that he would want to throw himself into saving everything and not think about the fact that his planet's uh, just blown up. Um, actually, you know, this reminds me of our, you know, our friends, uh, Jonna and Maria, Ma, from the Geeky Bubble. Yes, I do know them. They had a very similar conversation about Bad Batch, actually. And they were talking about this in their episode for Cut and Run. And Jonna had brought up, she was like, she was hoping that there was kind of more of them discussing what happened with Crosshair. And Maria was talking about, well, you know, this is very fresh. They have to have time to process. They have to have these, like, these moments to really think about what happened. And understand what happened and they're also on the run. So that's not at the forefront of their mind. And Maria was like, just give it time and it's going to be addressed. And sure enough, in the next episode of Bad Batch, when they have to, you know, crash in like the little flashlight monster and takes their stuff and eats energy, they talk about Crosshair. They have a conversation about him. Ricker's like, I miss him. He's their brother. And, yeah. her, her, and in, 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 in the and very like, next episode, Maria was just like, "See, I told you." And John is like, "Yeah." <laughs> it was yeah. was like, yeah, like it, yeah,
2: it was. It was in the next episode or the episode after that that they gave her his communicator, you know, to <laughs> his his wrist communicator.
1: Yeah. So
2: uh-huh. yeah, there and 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 it will like I have a feeling it will manifest in them actually, you know, having to. Uh, deal with him in person at, at at a point. So yeah, they'll build to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't doubt it. Um, it's just, it was just one of those things that I was just like, yeah, yeah, I get that. You know, they, they did that. They just kind of spaced it out a little bit and stuff like that. And yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's really handled well. I like, I especially like Kaz in this episode. Um, I could see how a lot of people took him as being a little bit of a jerk. He has every right to be a jerk in this episode. Uh, and I don't even think he's being a jerk at all. <laughs> I think he's just, like, a, as I said, a very raw nerve Yeah, right nobody,
2: now. Nobody's taken so, anything personally in this episode. No, everybody's, like, mm-hmm. you know, pretty sympathetic to everybody else in, in this. They're, yeah. all, they're literally all in the same... It's it's. <laughs> literally they're all in the same boat you know they
1: are but i think kaz has like a one extra step of being like you know it's okay if kaz has a bad day today (laughs) it's fine nobody should ever hold any of that against him ever 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 so um but i really like how they handle kaz in this um they could have really easily he
0: does
2: i don't know if does, does he ever meet up with leia again because now he and leia have something in common You know,
1: no, that is a great, that would have been a good
2: place for them to talk. That would have been a neat little scene for them to talk about losing a planet.
1: (laughs) I that is one of my biggest complaints of this of this show is I really needed that. I actually wrote a fan fiction about that, Chris. Um, I teamed up with my friend June and I wrote and I wrote it for um remembering resistance day that our friends, Brad and Sarah, who were on the show from Friends of the Force, um, I, I hosted. And I wrote a fanfic called The Way to Victory, and it was about after the Battle of Exegol, Kaz comes to Poe, and he talks about how he never got a chance to talk to Leia, because she was the only person that would understand what he was going through, and now he has to carry that weight all on his own. I wrote an entire story, and my friend June did beautiful artwork for it. <laughs> Thank you, June. Um, so, but yeah, like, I would have always loved to have seen that story, and the fact that Kaz never especially like now knowing like watching this show post-tross and knowing that Leia dies in tross knowing that Kaz has to always go forward with that weight and he is kind of that character now that we know who has that weight that's a lot for him to bear and i think that's a really interesting kind of narrative now for him especially knowing Leia is never going to be there for him post-tross it I, I makes me want to see Kaz in a story like 10 years later, 15 years later, where he's a little bit older. You know, I, I still think, because it's just in his nature, Kaz is a very kind character. He will always have his kindness first. That is a, a cornerstone, a keystone to his character is he is kind. and But I could still see that being something that he always struggles with. That if anything made him a little bitter around the edges, it's definitely that. And the fact that he lost the one person who would understand. And could talk him through it and work him through it. Because Doza and Yeager and Poe were all there. But they would never understand that. The way that Leia would. And I would love to see a story with Kaz 10-15 years later having to be the one bearing that front and bearing that knowledge. And I think it would be a really interesting story. If I remember, I will put my fanfic in the show notes (laughs) if you want to read it, because mostly you'll see June's artwork because it's gorgeous. But I don't know. Chris, reminded me to send that to you. (laughs) You'll hear it now as you're editing. I will. I don't have anything else for this episode. Did you? No, not me. All right, Chris, score it up.
2: I gave in Nate. I thought it wasn't um, uh, uh like I said it wasn't a barnstormer. It was just sort of like okay, here's our here's our new status quo being established and I thought it did a really good job of it.
1: I kind of felt the same way like and and I feel like this is going to be in my feelings for a lot of season 2 episodes. Which there's nothing particularly wrong with this episode. I think it's a, real, no. a perfectly fine episode. There's a lot of really um, cool
2: things in this episode, actually. You know?
1: Yeah, I I actually we didn't talk about it, but I actually like really like the die in their shells. I think that's a really interesting idea, where like when they sense danger, they just kind of like hunker in. Um, I, I like that. But the shows, so yeah, there's a lot of really cool things in this episode, and a lot of good things to think about. Um, for like story implication, character implications, stuff like that. So yeah, um, I give it an eight point five. I think it's a solid opening. I don't think they need to be barnstormers. I really don't. I like that this was the uh Holy Shit We're in Space uh, episode.
2: (laughs) I I think since they went out on such a radical departure from the norm in the last season that they didn't want to just like like come in with a big blowout with it and stuff, it was it would be better to just sort of sort of almost like hit reset and move and then move forward with the with the action and plot plot furtherances. Yeah.
1: So I I, I like that it's kind of a quiet season opening. I think it's actually a very resistance kind of season opening. So Yeah. Yeah. It just felt like it was just going back to its thing, just doing its resistance thing. So yeah. Um, but that's all I had. So yeah. As always, did I tell my score? Eight point five in case I forgot.
2: Yes, you did. <laughs> I, you did.
1: Okay, I couldn't remember you if de- I told my you score. You definitely or not. did. <laughs> Sorry, I had a I had a moment. Um, As always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page, or on our new Two True Freaks website, which is coming together, and it's great. Um, This week, our feedback comes from the Two True Freaks Facebook page for our Resistance episode, Secrets and Holograms.
2: All right, and of course, it comes from the classic Paul C. Kelly.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Your discussion of Tora seeing right through Kaz's BES when she asked him if he was a spy reminded me of Obi-Wan and Jango Fett's conversation on Kamino when Obi-Wan asked Jango about Master sifo Dias Yeah, that was a little more subtle, though. <laughs> it wasn't super subtle, but like it was a little more Jedi subtle, I guess. <laughs> In both cases.
1: I don't, I don't oh. fully remember that conversation. So. Oh, I do,
2: I do. <laughs> I do. It was a fun scene. It was It was. everybody knew what was... Oh, well, anyway, I'll do go Paul see Kelly because he's going to explain it for us. In both cases, both sides were at an understanding of what was up. In Django and Obi-Wan's case, they decided to act violently on one another where Tora decided to trust Kaz for now, but watch him closely now i'm curious what you all might think if obi-wan decided to just let jango go and trust him he wasn't gonna do that
1: <laughs> no 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 i i don't remember enough of it to have an opinion on this because <laughs> my i apparently can't remember the movie as shit i remember now, the conversation like basically as soon as,
2: as soon as as soon as they uh, they was in the cloners his quarters of the cl- cloners and as soon as they wa- walked in they both knew they were gonna fight but they were being like you know sort of sp- you know play- playing uh, cat and mouse with each other
1: yeah i guess um I remember... were
2: playing cat and mouse well they were but but there wasn't much playing with it Tora was a cat and she just beat the mouse over in the corner the mouse was like oh
1: and so please don't eat me, Mouse. She
2: was like, spy. I'm
1: sorry. You, you know that I know that we don't know that we're spies, but I know it's a spy. Um, no, no, like, I remember, like, the general basics of, like, like I remember him being there. I, but, I like, when I was reading this, I was like, they talked about Sipo Diaz? Really? Like, I don't remember that. I don't know. I'm a bad Star Wars fan. Whatever. <laughs> I can remember details of animated shows, but the movies do not stick in my brain at all i don't know why actually i do because i like animation better
2: because you haven't watched them over and over and over and over again like me
1: no no i have not but i have watched animation over and over and over and over again because that's just who i am whenever you we gonna start our our, our uh 15th rewatcher clone wars chris <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, so, yeah, did you have anything else for Into the Unknown? Into the Unknown? No. I that frozen thing. Into the Unknown. Ew, yeah, no, that was a weird sentence. All right, well, where can people find you, Chris?
2: (laughs) You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That's our website, our brand-new website. And By the time you hear this, we're probably going to have our all the kinks worked out because we're working them out now and we're like a month ahead so come on in and check it out it's it's got all the same stuff on there but just in a prettier more updated package hopefully more user-friendly and you can subscribe to us on on uh, apple podcasts i always want to say itunes and you can subscribe to us all our shows or all the shows uh, either shows individually or all the shows at once on uh, on the website or you could go to uh, uh, Facebook. We've got the Two True Freaks podcast where we post up all our new shows as they come out. The Cantina where we talk about them. And we are also on Twitter where the ever popular Gene Gene the Twitter machine mans the helm.
1: Oh my god, so you said ever popular? Like, oh my god, Gene! Oh, like, oh my god! Oh my god, Jean! Like, like oh my god. Did you see did you see Gene's Twitter feed? Oh my god. Gene's Twitter feed was trying to sit with us on Wednesdays and he wasn't even wearing pink. What the fuck? What the hell? Anyway, you were
2: second. But that's where you can find us. (laughs) We can find you Hope! (laughs)
1: You can find us at Jay and Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Malinuts. I also write at geekygirlexperience.com. And I'm happy to say that I'm doing some writing for our friends over at the Geeky Waffle. And we've had, um, Candace was on our our um, Jedi, whatever episode that Kane and Jaris died. <laughs> I don't remember what, what is it was called. Um, Candace was on that episode, and Arzu was on our High Republic episode, so we're very good friends with the waffles, and I'm very excited to be writing for Geeky Waffle. Um, though I'm actually not writing Star Wars stuff, I'm writing about, like, Owl House and stuff, so I'm very in Amphibia and, like, other animations, so I'm very excited about that. Um, also speaking of animation,
2: Chris There's and- a lot of sentences you could cut out as Hope's dialogue today and just take out of context. Really good friends with the waffles. We're in good with the waffles.
1: <laughs> yes. That- I'll- yeah
2: yeah yeah
1: if we're talking about the blue waffles Yeah 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 throw back to our clone words. the blue
2: waffle group.
1: Yeah it's been a while since we've done a good um blue waffle virus. Yeah 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 yeah. You're not gonna do it, Chris?
0: Yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. Yeah 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 um also Chris and I have another podcast um, called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons where we just finished uh, wrapping up Gravity Falls and Chris is about to watch this week we're going to record it next, actually next week we're going to record it he's going to watch the first two episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender both of which are directed by Dave Filoni and we are very excited about that ah.
2: get to oh. see some early Filoni
1: early Filoni early. holy Filoni oh holy Filoni <laughs> so, yeah um, and you can follow us over there, um, Homemade's Choice Watch Cartoons, Twitter is our, um, initials, so just H-M-C-W-C-Pod.
2: Oh, oh what are we watching? Oh these? my god, both of our shows were gonna be felonian out.
1: Yeah, only for the first season. Felony only worked on the first, se- <coughs> the first season of Avatar, because that was about the time that he went over to Clone Wars, after season. So, he only worked on the first season, but you can actually tell because, um, Clone trooper Apo or Apa is named after no Apo. His name is Apo, um, and he has the downward um, arrow on his helmet. He was uh, a nod to his avatar roots. So you're gonna start saying uh, um, you'll start seeing a lot of those avatar roots um, and stuff. Like I have to think that the Ahsoka episode of The Mandalorian, that town is 100 percent freaking bossing. Say. There's no way around it. When I look at the design of that city and the walls and how it's set up, I'm like, Dave Filoni, you are just putting a tiny, tiny bossing say right in the middle of your Star Wars. And it's very obvious. And you will learn what that means very soon, Chris, because there's no war in bossing say. What are you watching next week? Resistance season two? And I am just so excited to get continue season two. We have so many awesome guests set up for this season. It's gonna be a lot of fun. So next week we are going to be watching a quick salvage run. Oh. I'm trying to remember. Like uh, that, that's kind of the fun of these episodes is I don't really remember what any of these are about. So I'm kind of probably
2: going to be a lot like this one where it's just sort of like a little little micro adventure, you know, to get something to fix the ship. That's that's my what I uh, to remember about it.
1: Oh. Uh... Does my other favorite evil lady show up in this episode? I think she does. I have to double check it. Let me look at the cast list. Oh my god! Let's see, Gallic, 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 Gallic. Okay, maybe she's not in this one. Aw.
2: Well, we find out.
1: Come back next week for me to find out whether or not. Find out in the week. Yeah. Oh, but that bitch is in next week's episode. Or go
2: to Wikipedia if you just can't wait, but you can wait a week. Yeah,
1: yeah. All right, you guys, see you then. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2 True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S
2: you can email two true freaks directly at two true at gmail.com two true freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on itunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow we have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom just search two true freaks with an exclamation mark at the end space and the number two
0: All right, children.
2: The lights are out and the party's over. It's time for me, Dr. D, to start running and say goodbye for a little while. And I know you're going to miss me, so I'll leave you with this. You know that big ball of radiation we call the sun? Well, It'll burst you into flames if you stay in one place too long. That is if the static don't get you first. So remember, even if you're dusted, you may be gone. But out here in the desert, your shadow lives on without you. This is Dr. Death Defying,
0: signing off.